The Fanny Mechanic Show with Dr. Tash, where we dive in, go deep, and open up about women's health. Hello, and welcome everyone to this week's episode of The Fanny Mechanic Show. I am your host, Dr. Natasha Andriatis, aka Dr. Tash, and this episode is proudly brought to you by City Fertility, global leaders in fertility and IVF. This week, we dive into the topic of book therapy, otherwise known as bibliotherapy. We go deep with bibliotherapist Sonia Tsakalakis. Sonia opens up about why she chose this interesting career where she prescribes books and literature as a form of therapy. A lifelong devotee of literature, Sonia previously worked as a genetics counsellor and trauma rehabilitation worker. She launched into a career as a bibliotherapist in 2013 with the literary hand. So what is bibliotherapy, you ask? Well, it's the use of reading and literature for comfort, inspiration and healing. Sonia has partnered with leading community-oriented entities to facilitate the practice of shared reading circles and literary salons to engender self-awareness and social inclusion. She also worked with individuals providing private consultations and was a resident bibliotherapist for the School of Life. Sonia is currently writing a book on reading, friendship and letters. In this episode, I will share with you my experience of having a private consultation with Sonia, some of the questions she asked of me before prescribing me a lovely list of reading material. I'll share with you my review of some of those books so far. If you love books, poetry, literature, the written word, you will love this episode. I hope you enjoy our chat. Sonia Tsakalakis, have I said it correctly? Bravo. (laughs) You are in Melbourne and uh, a lot of Greeks live in Melbourne. Where where are your parents from originally in Greece? They're from Cyprus, actually. Ah, Kipri. You're a Chipper. You're a Chip. Yeah. Yeah, we've got the dialect. (laughs) I love it. Now, where do we start with bibliotherapy? I mean, uh, before we talk about that, give, give us a history of where you've come from and what led you um, to the bibliotherapy path. So before you became a bibliotherapist, what were you doing with yourself? I start, actually started um, in science. I did a science degree and I ended up um, doing a postgrad in genetic counselling. So I worked in that area, um, specialising more with um, inherited blood disorders like thalassemia and sickle cell anemia. And then I, I went overseas for a while and I worked in London. And then when I came back, I, I got into rehabilitation. So I, I've had a few career changes. And after a few years working, in, um, working with trauma particularly, I took some time out, had, some, had my children, and then I thought it was time to um, reinvent myself. <laughs> And I came across bibliotherapy in an article I read. It was in a supplement in, um, I think it's the Sydney Morning Herald for you, but it's the age here in Melbourne. And it was the first time I came across that term and it really resonated for me because I've always been a reader ever since I could read. I have understood the power of reading to nourish, to comfort, to heal and to inspire. So I wanted to learn as much as I could from reading about it in that article in the newspaper. So what were you doing in London? 
I worked for the Thalassemia Society there and um, predominantly community education and, um, yeah, so that was was interesting, (laughs) former life. So what, lots of Southern Europeans, Greeks, Italians, who else gets Thalassemia? Cypriots. Cypriots. Mm. Yeah, one in five Cypriots are carriers. And um, Can you explain to our audience what Thalassemia is just very quickly? Yes, certainly. Yes, so it's inherited blood disorder, and it's um, a lot. Of, uh, there are quite a few people that are carriers, but they they wouldn't know they're carriers unless they were specifically tested. They're um, not. Uh, they're asymptomatic, so they're not showing any symptoms, and inherit in the same way cystic fibrosis. And once you have two carriers, there's one in four chance of having a baby um, with the condition of thalassemia, which requires blood transfusions, there isn't enough um, oxygen transported to the organs. There, um, There is an incapacity to produce healthy red blood cells. So that's what thalassemia is. Um, it's an inherited blood disorder. And a lot of people carry it, and they found mostly in the Mediterranean, but also in parts of Asia, and there's a different type of thalassemia in certain parts of Asia. There's a type A. So um, I know it's in Cyprus, it's obligatory to get tested to see if you're a carrier because it is so common there. How common is it? it, You know, how how, how common is that? Um, It depends on which part of the world. I know also in parts of India it's common and Mm. I think it could be up to one in ten people of Indian Mm. origin are carriers. and it's more prevalent in smaller communities. That's why it's common in Cyprus, one in five people are carriers because of the island effect and a small population in a smaller um, area. So it increases your risk of passing on the gene to your progeny. And so you mentioned earlier trauma. You worked in trauma? Yeah, I, I worked um, in um, with people involved in motor vehicle accidents who experienced trauma. So I was helping with the rehabilitation aspect of wow. the trauma. So I helped connect them to um, resources and additional services that could help with. How long were you doing that for? Their recovery. I did that for about 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. Wow, that's a decade of your life. <laughs> yeah, and I just time goes fast when you're working in an area. Um, I worked with good people and we were seeing some good outcomes and – and then I stopped for a while once I had children. And that's when I had the, uh, the space to start thinking, um, where can I go now? I didn't want to go back to what I did before. Um, and how many kids have you had, Sonia? Got two teenagers. Lovely. Especially because, as you know, I'm in Victoria and we're in lockdown, so it's not easy yeah. being home with teenagers in lockdown. But um, but we're okay. We're, we're, we're doing well. <laughs> It'll now, be over. There's a beautiful quote from, because um, I love my poets, Victor Hugo, the French uh, writer mm. uh, who wrote actually Les Miserables. Um, yeah, one of the thickest after, books I've ever attempted to read. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's well worth finishing. It's just a matter of just getting into that zone, I think, mm. with the classics. You have to, mm. uh, there's a, a level of devotion. But he says, even after the darkest night, the sun rises. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's good to remember. So obviously, that. Victor Hugo is one of your favourites. 
Yeah, I do. I think I was lucky because when I was at school, I, I studied French, and that's when I was first introduced to his poetry. Mm. I didn't know he did poetry. He does poetry as well. Yeah, yeah, he's actually oh. a poet originally. Oh. He turned his craft to novels. Now, tell um, tell us how you became a bibliotherapist. What is a bibliotherapist? I mean, we know being of Greek background, that it's a Greek word, but what does it mean? Can you explain that? Yeah, it is actually, yeah, from the Greek, Biblio, his book and therapy. So, And it's actually an ancient idea. It goes back to the time of ancient Greek, Greece when um, libraries were, they, they were adjacent to hospitals and there was inscription above the library, places for cure of the soul. And there was a recognition that we could find comfort and healing in turning to ancient texts and poetry. And um, so it's an old idea, but the practice itself sounds new. And, I've, and I think bibliotherapy is actually practised every time you read a book for pleasure. The, of um, allowing ourselves to be absorbed in a world that is very different to our own and to lose sense of time. The idea of flow is happening when you're really enjoying something and you look up and you think, oh, you know, 20 minutes have passed. Where did that time go? And there's healing in that in losing ourselves in another world. But also there is a sense of finding ourselves, there's a sense of recognition. When we're reading something that resonates for us and we can feel, oh, this seems familiar to me. To me, this is what bibliotherapy is. It's about engaging with text in a meaningful way and finding um, a powerful connection, whether it's the language, whether it's the story, it's a character you may feel particularly sympathetic towards that you just want to spend time with and every time you open the book you're in their company. <laughs> There's healing in so many ways um, with bibliotherapy and I think that was the attraction for me because that's what I've always felt ever since I started reading in primary school. Um, there was a, a sense of, oh, this is a safe place for me inside the covers of a book. And what was that first book that you can recollect from when you were a small child? Probably, um, I think, the readers at school, because <laughs> we didn't have books growing up until my, I mean, only in the Golden Books and the supermarket. Yeah, I remember things. those. <laughs> I actually stole I one when I was a kid and I got into trouble, you know. <laughs> I stole a book. Oh, I stole a Golden Book, yes. Oh, which one was that, Tash? I still have it. It's, um... Wow. It's a horse. It's about animals and uh, written all wow. over it. I still have it, a golden book. And yeah. um, <laughs> I'm not a book thief. I'm not an active book thief now <laughs> as I've grown older. But, yeah, it was – I don't know why I, I stole it. It was – I stole it from Target. And um, I don't oh, know why. Wow. I mean, I, I'm sure if I asked my mother if I could buy it, can I buy it, you she would have bought it for me. Yeah. But I don't know what it was yet. And, um, yeah. yeah, so. <laughs> you just felt you had to have it. <laughs> I just felt like I had to have it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's the thing with um, growing up in a migrant family. That was my only way of get our only way of getting books was actually through this. When my mum went supermarket shopping and I was with her, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd get the golden books <laughs> and she'd buy them. And they were very cheap then, I think, weren't mm. they? Yeah, relatively um, speaking, though, I think they still are. But now they've made adult versions of, of um, golden books. Have you seen those? <laughs> oh, in bookshops, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. 
So take us back yeah. to the uh, Sydney Morning Herald or the article that you read in the the newspaper that inspired you to become a bibliotherapist. Yes, do you it was called um, the, mm. yeah, I do. It was called the Reading Cure, and it was written by Blake Morrison. And um, and the people that were interviewed were from the um, the reading organisation in London, and they practice a shared reading kind of bibliotherapy where people come together from all walks of life and they read from the same text. Um, it's a short story and a novel, and it's slow reading where you read. Um, a passage and then you stop and you ponder and you think, oh, what is happening here for you? You know, it's it's an active engagement with the text, but it's in a communal space where one person might say, oh, I don't know if, I don't know what that line means. And then another person will say, oh, this is what I think. And, and then someone will say, oh, there's a memory that's triggered for me. And, you know, it just becomes really active and very stimulating. And I love that idea of um, reading aloud together and slowly and savouring the words and the story and, and bringing it to life, bringing a story, bringing a poem to life. And the text they used were actually the classics. And that made sense to me. It made sense um, because I thought, a lot of people struggle with the classics. It's the language. It's um, it's you know you need to be you need to slow down. You feel like you need to devote yourself to it. But if you do it in the company of others, it, it can become really quite invigorating. It can it can feel very fresh. And um, and I thought, oh, this is something I'd like to pursue. So I did my own research because we don't have the reader organisation here. So where did that research um, take you? So I did a lot of reading and then I ended up going to London again. <laughs> but this time I attended a conference called, um, it was called, it was, it was linking the connection to reading for pleasure with well-being and mental health. Mm, juicy. It had, it had a really great title and it was, it was held actually at the British Library. And oh, none of these fabulous people and I had these wonderful conversations and I participated in their reading groups in the libraries. And I thought, what a wonderful idea. You just go to your local library and once a week there would be people reading together mm. and you would, and you just didn't know what was going to, like it was a surprise. You could be reading Chekhov. The following week you might be reading Catherine Mansfield. Um, you might be reading um, a French classic, uh, Guy de Maupassant. It's, it was just exciting and I got to meet a few people that were um, engaging with that style of reading and and also the um, the readers. I'd ask them questions. I said, what, what brings you to the library? You know, and I said, it's night. Some people said, oh, I love the connection. I love reading with others. I love meeting new people. I find it stimulating. Or I live alone and I just want to be around other people. So, I yeah, so that's what happened. This is from just reading an article. What, what year was this? <laughs> oh, this was uh, 2014. Okay. And then, and then I just... You yeah, connected with the School of Life? How did that connection happen? Oh, then when I came back, I, I, I approached them and I said I've been – actually, before I even did that, I started going um, – sorry, I'm just <laughs> flitting here and there. It's not very linear. No, it's okay. Um, Life isn't. <laughs> it isn't, is it? No. <laughs> but I did 
after reading that article, I thought after I did as much reading as I could in my own research, um, I decided to approach aged care facilities and ask if I could run shared reading circles. And a lot of them were very excited and they said, oh, yes, our residents, they need more stimulating activities. Oh, that's awesome. What a so, great idea. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, and I, I did it for a few years actually. So, so I started that in 2013. Was that and here in week, Australia or overseas? Yeah, in Victoria. In Victoria. Yeah, in Melbourne. In Melbourne. And, um, and I went to one in particular for three years every week and I loved it because I just loved working with oh, that generation that grew up with literature and mm. they grew up with a love of poetry and that was part of a good education was to learn a poem off by heart. How lovely. It was, and I loved it. So that was a, under your initiative. So you made the yeah. initiative. Fantastic. I yeah, I just I just went out on a limb and I started the literary hand. So I've got no ABN. I thought I'm just going to go out and start <laughs> reading <laughs> with, with that with our, with the older members of our community, and I just got so much out of it. I just love listening to their stories. I think it was I, um, it was an opportunity to hear what they had to say because often it would trigger memories of their childhood and they'll say, oh, I remember this is what we used to do in the farm or this is this, this is type of um, adventure I had growing up. I'd ride my pony to school and I'd leave it in the paddock and then after school I'd ride it back and, I, mm. you know, and all these beautiful stories that were emerging from reading this, the words on a page. So then when, yeah, and then now going back <laughs> to the School of Life. So when I got back to the School of Life, I wrote them a letter and I said, I've been to London. I did some work in with the reader organisation there. I've been running groups in aged care. And they said, oh, well, we'd like to train you to run bibliotherapy here in Melbourne. So, so who trained you exactly? Oh, Ella Petude in London, but that was by Skype. Oh, she, um, she I was going to ask, her, is this how you become a bibliotherapist? So that's, yeah, I, I, yeah with, the, with the School of Life, yeah, that's what I did. I did some training with her. Does she and still she run, like, Skype workshops for people out there who want to be bibliotherapist? It was only for the School of Life. Mm. I don't think they run. And now we're no more anyway now in London, in, in Australia, What they, they, they don't exist anymore. That shop on, I think it was Burke Street, wasn't it? Yeah, well, that, it was a pandemic. It wasn't feasible. Oh, really. wow. so it's what? Shut up shop. Yeah. Oh, that's it's really a London sad. One still going. Oh, I yeah. love that bookstore in Melbourne, actually. It was one of my favourites. Oh, I know. It was wonderful in the Conversation Cafe. That's where I would meet my clients, actually. Oh. i there, and it was a beautiful experience. Well, I think maybe post COVID oh. we'll have to reopen a store. That's right. We have to <laughs> refashion another type of school of life yeah that's um, right post-covid yeah, actually so that's how you became it so how many skype sessions did you need like what was your training like to become a bibliotherapist oh well there was um oh i had to oh, i had um well it was a lot what ella would do would she send me some questionnaires and say well who would what books would you prescribe for a client who responded in this way to the questionnaire? Um, so I had to do some research and come up with some ideas about books that would be appropriate for that person on that particular journey they were on. So it's very much um, a tailor-made approach to a reading prescription. It's not just, oh, someone loves 
travel, they love food, what would you do? It's really about getting to know the person. And the starting point is the questionnaire and then there is a one-hour consultation. So it's a fusion of what is on the questionnaire but also a sense of what um, you gain from your interaction with the client. Shall we talk about our experience, Sonia? Yeah, that's a good idea, Tash. <laughs> so I've got, um, I've got my questionnaire that I filled out for you before we had our um, Zoom consultation and yeah. you asked me some questions in a written format and I, in writing, replied. And um, right. did you want to ask me the first of those questions and I'll reply? Yep, that's right. So the first question was, how would you describe your relationship to books? And my response was, I absolutely love books. My favourite thing, more than shoes and clothes. That's right. And um, it's interesting, you like them more than shoes and clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you uh, asked me another question. And then I said, what books do you tend to read, creative literature or non-fiction? Uh, as I'm a medical doctor and I'm pretty much, you know, reading what I've written here. As I'm a medical doctor, I have to read a lot of medical journals to keep up, medical books, all of which I enjoy. I like reading health-related books, though I feel I should read more fiction to switch off because my sister always says to me, you need to be reading more fiction. Um, I really uh, I really enjoy historical memoirs and autobiographies. Mm. And then your next question to me was? What are some of your favourite books or authors? Uh, so I love Alain de Botton, who set up the School of Life, and mm. Louis de Bonnier, um, and they were two mm. authors that came straight to, to my mind. Yeah. And then um, I asked, any fond childhood reading memories? <laughs> and I've written, yes, my favourite was reading golden books. Yeah. Uh, Jude, I love <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was, I've written here Julie Bloom, but I think I meant Judy Bloom. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, as a teenager, I loved April Fool's Day by Bryce Courtney and the Flowers in the Attic series. Oh, the Andrews, yes. Virginia Andrews, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. you liked that. And, um, and the last time you threw a book against the wall in abject dismay? I don't think I've ever done this. And then I've got in brackets, maybe a medical textbook. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you, you finish every book you start, Tess? Yeah, mainly. Yeah, I don't feel good you if do. I don't if I don't start oh. if I don't finish a book, then I, I don't feel good about it. So I kind of plough through it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like an achievement to finish. Yeah, book. that's right. Yeah, and then I can go. Okay, I've I've done done with that. I can give it away. If I haven't read the book, which isn't like the book in all its its entirety, I will keep it. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I'll bookmark it to to make it obvious to myself that I haven't finished that book. I might not go yeah. back to it and that's fine. Um, and, yeah. you know, sometimes I pick up a book many years later, uh, which is right. my, why my library is so vast. Um, You've and, got heaps of books on your bookshelf. <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of books, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, I mean, I've got bookshelves. It's not bookshelf, it's bookshelves. <laughs> heaps, yeah. This is beautiful world. Being in lockdown, I always think, oh, and I'm lucky I kept all my books. <laughs> yeah. Because I can read them now because I can't go to the library. I yeah. can't go to bookshop. All those things you take for uh, granted. 
I know. So I think I'm lucky. I kept all my books. I didn't uh, minimalize. I didn't do a Marie Kondo. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't ever do Marie Kondo with books. That's not on. Not no, on. That's, no. <laughs> now that we're in lockdown, we Marie realize, Kondo. Oh. You are not on when it comes to books. <laughs> Maybe other <laughs> Be things. Greedy. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what was your next yeah. question? And then I asked you, what are your thoughts on poetry as a therapeutic tool? And I wrote, I really enjoy poetry. I found it gave me great comfort during a relationship breakup. That's right. And then um, can I ask you specifically what poems that you like, what poetry Oh, there was, um, and I can't believe I've forgotten her name, Milk and Honey. She's an Indian, um, Canadian oh, poet. cool. Yes, yes, loved her stuff. Um, but a lot of stuff yeah. on Instagram, like poets on Instagram even, you know, with short, yes. very short poetry Beautiful. that resonates. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes only one line, isn't it? Yeah, all it, it takes so is powerful. that. Or haikus or whatever. Oh, are haikus yes, considered haiku. poets, po- poems? Yeah, they, they yeah. are. They yeah. are. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. And then I asked, um, is there a poem that made a significant impact on the way you view the world? In other words, the proverbial book that changed your life? So a book that made a significant impact on my life was um, Nelson Mandela's autobiography, Long Walk to Freedom, that I read when I was in high school. Definitely, yeah. Oh, so how you came across that in high school? Um, yeah, oh. I, 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 yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was high school. It was pretty much after he published it, so when he was released from prison. Mm. Yeah, thick book, but I really yeah. enjoyed it and got a lot of that out of that book, yeah. And then when and I ended up going poetry. to South Africa and then going oh, um, to, yes. you know, what, see where he was um, in prison for many years, yes. for how many, 27-odd years, I just remember his words in, in the book, uh, Robin oh. Island, that's right, that's where we, where we went. Island. And um, it just resonated with me. And actually just being in South Africa, having read his book and, mm. and, and, and knowing what he mm. went through and what a lot of uh, other people like him have been through, Yes. I felt like I had been there before, but obviously I hadn't. Wow. So it no. gave me a, a different experience, I think, had I not read that book. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it sort of enriched the experience for you because yep. you read. Absolutely, mm, yeah. How beautiful. And then um, what qualities do you look for in a good book? Interesting characters, great story, beautiful language. I wrote all of those things. A few books that I've read recently are Educated, Unorthodox, Boy Swallows Universe, The Tattooist of Auschwitz. I couldn't put these down. I like a good story. Currently reading The Trauma Cleaner, which I really like. And I think we did our therapy session back in August. So obviously I've read a few books since then, which we'll talk about a bit later. But that was my answer to that question. So you like the dark books because they're quite dark, aren't they? I love black humour, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Boy Swallows was very uh, very funny. The others, not yeah. really. Like, Trauma Cleaner is actually fascinating. Um, yeah. The Tattooist and Unorthodox. Unorthodox was just a brilliant read. Um, yes. And, again, I had been to New York last wow. year and um, yes. reading Unorthodox, it took me back to New York City, Brooklyn, where I stayed. And oh, uh, I could imagine myself back there, and I remember yeah. walking. Um, I was, you know, in the kind of Jewish area, and I just remember being fascinated by uh, that 
area, that neighbourhood which I'd never been to before, and then reading Unorthodox, you're going, oh, God, I've gone back to New York City, Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn. Um, yeah. And there's a tourist of Asterix. I've never been to a, a concentration camp. Um, mm. But, yeah, it just uh, – and Trauma Cleaner, hey, uh, have you read that book? I don't know if you've read it. No, I haven't read it. I look people who have. <laughs> Amazing. Read it, but yeah. Yeah. Again, going into someone's life, experiencing what how they live is something very different to my life. Um, wow. Uh, fascinating. But isn't that the beauty of reading? You can get a glimpse of other lives that you probably never ever Yeah, lived that's in right. Your, yep. In your lifetime. Yeah. And it? Boy Swallows yeah. Universe, I – I love the characters, even the dodgy, like, you know, dirty kind of uh, mm. criminal characters. I really yes. enjoyed connecting with them. And then when I finished the book, I was sad because I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm not going to hang out with those characters anymore. I know. That's the thing about when you come to the end of a beautiful book or a book that you love, you think, oh, do you find yourself slowing down towards the end because you want it to linger a bit longer? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do because it's like, oh, no, two pages left. Oh, I'm going to savour every last word. <laughs> Not ready to say goodbye. <laughs> no. And then the, you had another question for me. What insights do you hope to gain from bibliotherapy? Uh, I, I'm very curious, wonder if I can recommend this to my patients. <laughs> and then um, how old are you? What do you do for a living? <laughs> so I am 46 years old and I am a doctor, gynecologist, fertility specialist. Fanny mechanic, yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> Fanny mechanic. <laughs> and um, what sorts are preoccupying you at the moment? Yeah, for me, I just read the whole COVID thing. I mean, I love yeah. traveling and my question was, when can we travel again? Question mark, question mark, yeah. question mark. And um, what are your fears and concerns? I've got, I worry about the overall health of my family and my friends. Um, yeah. You know, finances too, especially when COVID first hit in April was very stressful. Um, yeah. That's when lockdown hit us for the first time. Things are better now for, for me yeah. in Sydney. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so obviously in Melbourne where you are, things are maybe not so great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you've got it's books, you're, you, if you've got books, you're covered. You've got a whole library of books, you're fine. That's right. At least, I mean, it'd be so sad if you didn't read, but there are lots of Netflix. <laughs> yes, the, that's the other thing. And yeah. I think you had a last question as part of your that's, question. And this is a standard questionnaire you give everyone. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, what excites you about your life? I've got so many things, exclamation mark. I love reading, of mm. course. Um, I run a monthly book club called, called the Do Dr. Tash Book Club at my favourite bookstore, Better Read Than Dead in Newtown, Sydney. Um, I've relished in creating a community of like-minded people. We've had a, a few authors attend to discuss their books, which has been a real honour. And mm. I love learning new things. I love sewing, crafting, embroidery. Um, crochet. Uh, I'm also mm -hmm. doing courses to learn new things and hobbies. Um, and I'm a podcaster and I love creating weekly podcasts and interviewing people like you and people <laughs> with good energy and vibration excite me. So that was the questionnaire. And then uh, a few weeks later, you sent me a yeah. prescription. 
And I'm going right. to after um, our consultation. Yeah. Now, how the hell did you create a, a prescription of books based on my answers? And I'll let you, uh, you know, tell our listeners what books you've recommended me, and then I will tell you what I've read so far. Okay. Yeah. I'm just really putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, it was, yeah, just the response to when you're talking about your love of travel. And I remember you saying, like, um, now how you've reframed what you think is important um, with COVID. It's, you've thought about, oh, there's so many things that were taken away with lockdown. It was a time to reflect, oh, what is really important? I remember you saying you love walking through botanical gardens now as opposed to sitting in a restaurant with friends. Being in the natural world, I got a sense was something that was important to you and family. Um, when I asked you about um, the women in your life that are, have made a, an impact and you talked about your mum, how um, what a wonderful connection you have with your mum and that she's starting to read now. She's enjoying some books um, that are in Greek translation. Yeah, much thanks to my sister who went to the library and made the effort to get her those books. So uh, it's all thanks to my sister that she has done that. Oh, but that's wonderful that you can all share it, Mm. you know, and you can talk about the book. It sort of adds another uh, way of engaging meaningfully Mm. with each other, doesn't it, when you can um, talk about ideas? Yeah, the first book I Um, ever saw my mother read was um, Malala's autobiography uh, when it it was in Greek and my sister had gotten her that book from the library and my mum was reading it when my dad was in hospital. Um, This is about two years ago nearly. And um, yeah, and my mum gets um, thanks again to my sister, Ellie Niss, and a couple of other magazines from the library regularly. Yeah, but um, it's it's nice to see my mother read because, you know, she didn't get to finish even primary school. And um, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it is. Not wonderful, and just she must get a lot of enjoyment out of it too. She does. Yeah, she loves reading the the gossip, Elinis magazines, and getting you know gardening tips from there and cooking ideas. Yeah. So that's what um I I picked up from our conversation, and also um you talked about loving. Um, Amsterdam, that was one of your favourite places. Yeah, magazine called <laughs> Slow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I loved how you talked about what you loved about Amsterdam and the feeling of being there and travel. Yeah, but it's just when you talked about this magazine, and I was so curious because I didn't know much about Slow. But, but I yeah. love the philosophy behind Slow, the mm. quirky Zen. Very Dutch. Mm. I think I was Dutch in my past life. I must have been very tall because I'm not tall now. <laughs> yeah. I know, you know. Um, and also, I just uh, do you want me to talk about books that I chose as well? Yeah. So yeah. you, you, I think I can't remember how many books have you got here. Was it eleven books? Quite a few. I don't know. Yeah. Was. And I thought, I wow, so that's, a, that's a book a month for the rest of the year. Like all I need to do with you is a session of b- bibliotherapy once a year and I've got my whole like year's worth of oh, book prescription. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. 
Yeah, that's why I chose the first one was um, The Shell Collector by Anthony Dorr because he writes so beautifully about, I don't know, I read somewhere, was it Joseph Conrad who says, I write so others can see because that's what a great writer does. They notice things about the world and they can convey that with words. They can create a picture. And I think Anthony Dorr does it really well. And this is a collection of short stories about the natural world. But it's also about love and how important... Um, connecting with others is and it's very sympathetic and compassionate and that's why I thought you'd you'd enjoy reading Anthony Jaw. I haven't read that one yet um mm. but I'd it's certainly a short will. stories yeah I love short stories because again I know I yeah. can finish a short story in that sense of accomplishment I can tick that off my Virgo box <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> You're the, you're the, oh, you're a Virgo. Oh, you had yeah. your birthday recently. Yeah, um, it's tomorrow, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Thank birthday, you. Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> How are you celebrating? <laughs> I'm taking the day off work and I'm hanging out yeah. with family and friends and um, just oh, taking the day yeah. as it comes, yeah. It'll be lovely. Thank you. And the field guide to getting lost. I think that's the next one I was going to pick up. Yes. Oh, she's. If we, if we, I don't know if anyone's. Um, I don't know if any of you listeners have read Rebecca Solnit, but she's a fabulous writer. She writes about. I don't know how you describe it. It's hard to pin her down <laughs> because she's very experimental with the way she writes. But she writes with such warmth. And this particular book is about allowing yourself to embrace uncertainty. And I thought, oh, COVID. This is all about uncertainty. This is about um, not knowing. And and. She sort of leads you into a dance and thinking about, oh, what's so bad about being in the unknown? Why do I fear it so much? So, so she draws on these thinkers and philosophers, Arendt, Simone Weil, or Weil, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, um, and Indigenous philosophy. She's just like got like this brain that's a bird and she collects all these mm. ideas and she writes them in a way that makes it so easy to read and then she combines her personal stories as well and you, you feel like you're reading a novel but at the same time you're you're tuning into a mind that is not tethered to one ideal she's just it's just really exhilarating reading Rebecca Solnit so I thought you'd love it yeah, I'm looking forward to that, as all of them. Now, the next one oh, that you've recommended was Prayers for the Stolen, which I have read, and my gosh, I could not put this book down. Yeah, oh, wow. so glad. Yeah, well, I've read oh, three of the books that you've recommended and I loved all of them and I, I would never have picked them up anyway to read them. So that's what I've liked about doing this with you is that you've recommended books that I would not have normally have bought or read. Oh but I have thoroughly enjoyed. But this Prayers for the Stolen just knocked me oh. out um, oh, about, yeah, about being a woman in Mexico and yeah. and how so many women are, are kidnapped and and, yeah. and, and, and killed. And, and it took me back to the Netherlands, actually, this book, because oh, right. when I was in the Netherlands uh, at the hospital where I was working, they had a journalist uh, photographic exhibition competition and yes. when you entered the foyer of this beautiful hospital, there were photos yeah. of uh, really quite traumatic, violent scenes that oh. journalists had taken. And a few mm -hmm. of these photos were taken in Mexico 
oh. of, you know, people who had been killed. So you, you know, had photos of decapitated yes. heads on the ground, uh, yes. you, you know, as and it was all kind of drug, drug cartel related. Um, yes. And so when I read this book, it just took me back there. And Mexico has always been one of those places where I've kind of been fascinated yes. by because yes. I love the whole Day of the Dead thing, you know, that kind of festival. Yes, but I'm terrified right. to go to that country because mm. of um, uh, of of what things like Jennifer Clement has written about. So can you tell our yeah. authors about this book? Because <laughs> I think everyone yeah, should well, read it. Yeah. It's, it is. I think I, I described it as a hellscape, isn't it? I grew up in a in a place where um, girls have to look like boys so they're not stolen, you know. Yeah, to be made to look ugly. Don't look ugly. You can't look, can't look pretty because then they'll, they'll kidnap you. Mm, and and God knows what they'll do with you. Yeah. I know. There's, there's such brutality in that that mm. it's just funny as well. I don't know how she does it. You know, like it's such a yes. beautiful world. But, and then there's the sense of how important it is to be connected to each other. Like her mum, you know, she's mm. quite a character. And she's hell bent on revenge and her mm. husband. Mm. Um, and they've just got really distinctive personalities. Like they don't allow themselves to bow down to their fate. They think, no, we're going to rise above this. And I love that character, Lady Diane. She was named after. Yes. <laughs> Princess Diana. <laughs> Princess Diana. We can always remember when Princess Diana, you know, passed away and then used that day. So right. a lot of the things I could kind of connect with, yeah. Yeah, and I thought you'd like this book because this is, uh, you know, this character is strong and she rises from the ashes. She doesn't know herself mm. to be um, a victim. And I've given so. that book subsequently to someone I work with, one of the nurses. So that's seen a, a, a oh. home of a good, of a good and happy reader. <laughs> oh, that's great. And the next one then, I read as well, 40 Tales for the Afterlives, which I loved as well, which is about oh, so um, written by a neuroscientist, Eagleman, and yeah. um, stories about the afterlife. Now, I've not read any books about what the afterlife may look like, <laughs> um, mm. and part of me questions if there is an afterlife. I mean, I'm not yeah. – I wouldn't say I'm a religious person. I'm quite a spiritual yeah. person, but – I yeah. love the fact that they these were short tales of what the afterlife could possibly mm. look like. Mm. And I'm definitely going to go back and read some of those stories because they made yes. such an impact on me. Oh, that's fantastic. I know um, quite a few clients I've had, yeah, it really it was quite powerful. <laughs> so I thought you'd really enjoy it. Just yeah. from just the power is in the texting of the pudding, they say. But it just allows your imagination to to run wild, doesn't mm. it? To think, oh, mm. I would never have thought of this, but this is yeah, um, this is taking me somewhere where I would never have thought to go before. And oh, it's yeah. un- it unlocks something, doesn't it? It's something totally, like a key, it unlocks something that, mm. and it opens up. Yeah, and the other one that I read um, is, I love the Traveling Cat Chronicles by Hiro oh, Akirao oh. Aki Arikawa. Um, yes. a, a book written by a Japanese author that's been translated into yes. English. And I, I went to Japan yeah. for the first time in my life last year, absolutely loved Japan. And yes. um, this story had me crying. I cried a few, oh. so many times in this book and I also oh laughed. Beautiful book. Now, have oh. you? can I ask, have you read all the books that you've recommended me? Yes. <laughs> 
Oh, well, I would. I feel dishonest if I didn't read. Oh, all right. Okay. So you is, must I, read a hell of a lot of books, woman. The thing is, I've never been to Japan, so it's lovely to say that. Oh. It must have. Um, oh, is that what it sort of must have awakened that love of Japan for you because it's really beautiful the way it describes yeah. the scenery, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's just just beautiful oh. book. And and look, I'm not a, I'm not much of a cat person. I prefer dogs. I did have yeah. a cat when I was a kid growing up. But this yeah. now I, 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 I see cats differently. Like there's a cat that mm. hangs out at my parents' house and it's kind of a bit of a not feral cat, but it, it'll come up to you and just jump on you randomly on yeah. the street, you know. And um and now when it does that to me, I know I, I go, Oh, okay, go back to the Travelling Cat Chronicles. Just imagine you're the cat in that book, you know? And <laughs> and I I'm cat. a bit more sympathetic and compassionate to this cat now yeah. because I've read this book. So thank you. Sonia. Oh, I'm so pleased. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Good to hear that. And then, and then now, this classic, The Die House. Now, this is. The Die House. It's interesting to see, yeah. Oh, is that the one? one what one should I read next? Have you, you know, with oh. all of that list, what what should I go to next, do you think? Oh, that's, that, oh I think you're going to really love three things about Elsie. I oh, okay, love that one all right. I'll pick that up in next. A nursing home, and I love reading things from the perspective of an old person mm. and they look back on their life and it makes you think, oh. Okay. And <laughs> it's, it's really funny actually. That will be – actually hilarious. it's written by a doctor, a psychiatrist in fact, an example yes, of a genre called uplit to describe a narrative uplit. driven by acts of human <laughs> kindness and compassion. Oh, yeah. I think I need to read that. And it's just funny as well. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you some other questions here. Mm. Bibliotherapy, can it make you happier, Sonia? Can it make you less stressed? Well, it's interesting because I've been doing quite a bit of research on um, the effects on mood when you read for pleasure on a regular basis. And this work has been done in the UK. There's a centre called Centre for Reading in and Literature. It's called Creels. I can't remember exactly what it stands for. But it's an actual centre where they're just studying the effects of reading on the brain. And they found this particular study that people who have suffered from depression, after a reading regime of at least 30 minutes a day, reading something they love, over a period of time they found that symptoms of depression have reduced significantly. This is and, over a period of time. And this is if it's a regular thing, 30 minutes mm. a day. And does that yeah. include audio books? Like, you know, obviously as people get older, mm. I could imagine their vision deteriorates. Mm. They may not have the ability to concentrate as much. Yeah. Does that include audio books? It does actually because it's a similar um, experience. You're, you're listening to the stories, you're engaging with the text even though you're not reading it. It's, and sometimes it can even be better if you can hear someone reading it, especially if it's read beautifully. And there's so many wonderful narrators of audio books that um, you can do it, like especially not just for older people, for people who find, oh, I'm too busy, oh, you can perhaps listen to an audio book on the commute to work or it invites you to find time um, for reading for pleasure, audiobooks. So do you dedicate hours in your day to reading? Like how do you how do you keep up with with things? Like if you're if you're a bibliotherapist, you would be active in your reading, I would assume. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I have 
reading regime, I suppose you could say, but, but I love it. It doesn't even feel like a regime. But it, Can it, you tell us more about what that is, how that looks like well, for you? I like to read like in the morning, I'll have an hour in the morning. Yeah. And um, I also work as a social worker now, I've done some more training. <laughs> so I, um, and then I'll read again for another hour in the evening, at least. I, I read at least two hours a day. So two hours, wow, I'm jealous. Really? <laughs> well, I don't do much else. I mean, I, I do a bit of cooking. <laughs> got to eat, right? Got to eat. Girls got to eat. I, well, and I exercise <laughs> and I kids. But I, I don't watch – the things I don't watch anything. I don't know what's on Netflix. Yeah, I'm the I same. Just, I, don't, I, just, I don't watch Netflix because I, I like to read. Yeah. But I know that there's I know. lots of good Netflix just, series out there, like the Unorthodox, Unorthodox was a oh, Netflix that's series. Oh, I've heard great things about yeah. that. Formula One, yeah. one someone else told me about but. Um, I know I'm not very good to talk about with the pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so, right. it's, it's a choice, isn't it? Like it is, choose. absolutely. A lot of people say, oh, my time, is, I don't have time, but they could be spending hours on social media or mm. they could be, yeah. Mm. It's, Which is very easy to do. We all have the do. same number of hours mm. in the day. It's how we So as a social worker, uh, do you just naturally recommend books to your patients, to, your, to the people you see? Because I know with me, I, I, most of my patients, I, w- I will recommend a book to read about the issue that they might have. But you, as a social worker, do you find you naturally do that? Can you do that? Yes. I know. I can't help it. I do. Yeah, right. Amazing. Aren't <laughs> oh, they lucky? You really must try reading this. And, <laughs> so, and where do you work as a social worker in Melbourne then? It's actually um, a I'm bicultural worker. I work with um, a Greek speaking organization mm. and work with new settlers and also with um, the older migrants like my parents generation amazing um, yeah so do you do things we're through zoom a book actually we're working on some we're developing a book of recipes and stories oh, of that generation because we're trying to hold on because our parents yeah. you know the migrants there they've all these beautiful stories but unfortunately their numbers are declining <laughs> so could i okay. could i um recommend my mother to to see you about a bibliotherapy session and would you be able to make her recommendations for greek books okay oh that'd be interesting (laughs) why not (laughs) is she be maybe case number one for you yes i haven't um Yes, I, yeah, I would, that'd be fun. That would be great. Yeah, I might, yeah, I might, I might connect you both. Eh? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Now, um, in your life, Sonia, who have been your biggest inspirations? I think it's, I'm, I'm, I know, I, I, I have to say it's my mum as well. Mm. And I just, that migrant story, my mum came out when she was 19 and just the trauma. Yeah, same with my mum. Teenager. Of being on her own. Yeah. yeah. So first job, my mum, first job was peeling onions in a factory and she came in the dead of winter. <laughs> mm. And she thought she came, I thought I thought I was going to find paradise, but it was hell. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, and she didn't have family to greet her. She had an uncle mm. and um, and he wasn't very kind to her. He made her work to pay for her passage. and things. So she didn't have a good start. What's and your mum's name? By her story, Anastasia. Oh, that's a great. That's my Greek name, Anastasia. Is he? Yeah, oh, I should have Anastasia. been an Anastasia, but somehow I ended up being a Natasha. I don't know how that happened. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Natasha, that's the um, Russian equivalent. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Natasha, how oh, beautiful. 
Um, yes, I'm inspired by her story, but I, I had wonderful teachers as well. I, mm. Especially my library teacher in primary school. Um, she helped. Well, if it wasn't for her, I don't know if I'd have this love of reading. Amazing. What was her name? Uh, Mrs. Bowen. Is, is she still <laughs> around? Probably, I don't know. I don't, Bowen. Um, was she young her, back but... then? How old do you reckon she would have uh, been? Oh, she might not be around. Probably in her 20s. Seemed, yeah, I wonder if you can track her down. Say thank you, Miss. I'm a bibliotherapist now, thanks to you. Thanks to you. Mm. Oh, wherever she is, I hope she feels, uh, you know, a spring in her step knowing that she's transformed someone's life. Mm. <laughs> so I'm sad because we don't, my kids didn't have, uh, don't have librarians in primary school. Mm. They seem to be phased out, but I'm glad I grew up when I did. <laughs> yeah. So you would have been raised in the 80s, 70s, 80s? The 70s. Yeah. yeah. And 80s, yeah. So, Sonia, can I ask you a big question? <laughs> what are your favourite books? Oh, oh, I love the classics, actually. Yep. <laughs> but I, I've been um, – I've reread Jane Eyre. Got more love Jane Eyre. I, I studied it at school and then I've read it a few times. And a book, rereading is, is a beautiful thing to do, actually, because I find that you're never the same person each time you read same book <laughs> something changes in you you're always a different person and you have a different perspective and you'll find something um else that resonates for you and you think oh I didn't pick up on this the first time mm. so Jane Eyre is one of my favorites I love Rebecca as well by um Daphne du Maurier I love that gothic <laughs> style mm. of writing and that description and um oh, I read a beautiful book recently that I loved and oh so do you oh, um James Salter, James Salter, Light Years, I love that. Okay, Light Years. Beautiful book. Light Years, yeah. Write that down. Just has that existential feel to it. Um, this family in the fifties and as the years go on and just the patina of life, how it changes, like things that were glittering to begin with, suddenly there are cracks and it's just that universal human story of things changing as we get older. It was, it was really beautiful. So do you um do you borrow your books? Do you do Audible? Do you buy books? Uh, where do you get your books from? Oh, I do a combination actually. I usually go to the library. Mm-hmm. Um, Which library do you uh, go to in Melbourne? Um, my and my well, I'm lucky. I live close to my favourite library, North Victoria Library, and they've revamped it and it's got a rooftop garden. Oh no way! It's so beautiful. Because yeah. I used to live in a tiny apartment, and just this year I've moved to a uh, well. Because I was too small with two children and now I live in a house. I mean, it's not a big house, but it's a nice – we've got more space. So now I can have my book – I can have more books. Because I was in a tiny apartment, I tended to borrow mm. books. But now um, I have more space so I can have more books. <laughs> so I do a mix of going to the library and buying books. So North Fitzroy Library has a rooftop terrace. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, oh, it's got I three levels to... and these little niches, you know. It's just beautiful. For people who don't have the space, you can just go and it's lovely. have a coffee and sit somewhere beautiful yeah. and, and read a book. It's part of a pleasure, isn't it, having a lovely space to read your book, whether it's in your garden. Or, yeah, a nice little reading uh, nook. A nook, that's right. Yeah. Now, do you have a reading nook? Yeah, that's... I do actually. Yeah, it's um, yeah. pretty comfortable. Yep, yeah. get my feet up. Uh, very. Oh. I usually have like a blanket on me. 
Uh, and some nice light, maybe a candle burning next to me. Um, yeah, it's my little safe safe zone. It is. It just mm. creates that atmosphere mm. for enchantment. <laughs> exactly. Mm. And um, do you have songs that make you happy? Do you ever read books with music in the background? Um, I usually have classic but I do love. Um, I love. Uh, music from all over the world. <laughs> yeah, like I've been listening to a bit of um, Mambo, um, vintage Mambo. <laughs> There's a one called Peanut Song, I think it was called. I heard it on jazz, ABC mm. Jazz. Monica Trapaga. Okay. Jazz. It's called the Dinner Set on Friday nights. So yeah, ja- yeah, I love jazz too. Do you? Yeah, yeah. And, and she has these really good vintage retro jazz numbers and I... And there was this performer I, I heard last Friday, and I loved that song, The Peanut. Oh, The Peanut Vendor, it was called. The Peanut Vendor, okay. <laughs> Look at us. Oh, will. Writing that down as we speak. Oh, and, my uh, God. That's why you, you can read and you can dance. Oh. And, oh, it's just so good for your soul. <laughs> it is. And do you have a dream collaboration? Well, that's a good question. And I thought one A lot, day, of, pe- a lot of people get stumped with this one. Oh, no, this is uh, – I'm always having these ideas for, you know, dreams and, and it keeps – it's sort of my vision. <laughs> it keeps – it powers me on in the world. But I love to just, like, inhabit spaces and and start communal reading in beautiful spaces that are abandoned, mm, mm. <laughs> whether it's a warehouse or a neglected library or a, a cemetery. Just to – with cemetery, you can read a, a beautiful ghost story by Saki or, <laughs> um, or Edgar Allan Poe. You could have the raven or the black cat. <laughs> Just um, that's sort of a dream of mine. To, to Love start that. Like that's that. a great idea. Yeah. And how would people find you if they were wanting to um, have a consultation bibliotherapy session with you? Where would they go, Sonia? Um, I have a website. And I'm on Instagram, but I confess I haven't been that regular on Instagram. <laughs> okay. So what's your what's your um, website called? Um, it's the literary no um the the literary, literary hand. hand. Yeah, yeah. And do you it's know your do you know your Instagram account? <laughs> it's literary hand. Yeah. Okay. Literary good. Hand. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. That's good. I'll send it to you. <laughs> you need to know. I'm sorry. I just uh, I keep forgetting if it's and the in the front <laughs> or not, but. <laughs> I should know, shouldn't I? That's I okay. We'll, we will find you. We will hunt you down. <laughs> day and I've got lockdown brain. <laughs> what are your um, top tips for being a kick-ass bibliotherapist, Sonia? Oh, well, um, you have to love reading. You have to love books. You have to love connecting with people. I don't think you can just be a bookworm and not um, love people. I love Listening to people, I love people's stories, and that's ultimately why I love reading. I'm a bit of a voyeur. <laughs> that's why I love to read. I love to learn about other people's lives. So it's curiosity, I think, is number mm. one. So curiosity trumps everything, really, doesn't it? Mm, that's right. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to tell us about bibliotherapy or your world before we end the interview? Um. What are you reading well, right I now? I have one last question um, for you Oh, before you tell me what the answer to that question was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just been reading some poems, actually. Some I've poems? Been, yeah, I've been, yeah, 
and um, I've been dip, dipping into some Russian short stories. Okay. I do love my, I love the Russians. Um, you do, aren't you? Yeah, there's something about you, huh? Have you been to Russian, Russia? No, I haven't travelled as that much, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm inspired to go to Russia. I'd love mm. to. But there's a beautiful collection called Russian short stories from Pushkin to Buida, and, and there's Chekhov, and I've just been, um, you know, I just love reading them. Short stories sometimes. And I'm having a bit of a break from a novel because I've just finished The Light Years by James Salter and I thought, like, oh, I need to read some short stories. I'm enjoying the Russian classics at the moment. So Russian and poetry. Classics. Yeah. And you're, um, before I interrupted you, you were going to say something, uh, a last message to us? Yeah, well, I think um, a lot of people are saying that we used to lock COVID. It's hard to stay focused, and I always just recommend short stories and poems. Mary Oliver's fantastic. She, everyone loves Mary Oliver. Because I always finish a session. Did I finish a session with a poem with you? Yeah, you did. It was beautiful. I can't remember who. who <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was gorgeous. I love the fact that you read me a poem. It was just a really nice touch. So um, oh, for our listeners, yeah. after we um, I submitted my uh, questionnaire. Uh, myself and Sonia had a, an hour or so Zoom Zoom chat, and then it was after that chat that then she made the bibliotherapy prescription, which we talked about earlier. So that's kind yeah. of the, the the way that things flow. Yeah, and I loved yeah. I love being um, read a, a poem. Thank you. It was lovely. Oh, that's a pleasure. Yeah. So that's something I, I recommend. Do just reading a poem a day at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. You can totally yeah. do that. It's very achievable, and 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 mm. and the, you can even leave like that book at the door or near the door to remind you, yeah. or somewhere like you know, you'd leave your toothbrush, or if you're a woman taking the pill, you'd put the pill next to your toothbrush to remind yourself, got to take the That's pill, right. right? The same Absolutely. with poetry. You can just leave the book. Yeah. somewhere where you know you will just have to just read a page and that's all you need to do. And sometimes yeah, that exactly. all those, those words are all you need to, to, to help you take that day on, you know, or leave that, with that, a message. Right. It is. It's that, yeah, it's that vision, the visual aspect of it, just seeing it. You think, oh, time for a poem, you know, yeah. <laughs> rather than it being hidden away or, you know, in your closet, you see it exactly. Somewhere where, um, as you said, you're, your uh, tooth, toothbrush or mm, yeah, whatever it is, you, yeah. Whatever it is that yeah. you do every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sonia, it's been so nice chatting to you and um, I hope I've inspired and you've inspired people to pick up more books, to read more books, to read, read, read. And oh. uh, I hope people connect with you on Bibliotherapy because I think what you're doing is pretty amazing. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Tash. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been lovely. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Sonia Tsakalakis, that it's inspired you to read more books, share more books, or even start your own reading circle. Share this episode with someone if you think it will inspire or help them. Please subscribe to the Fanny Mechanic channel, and if you haven't already, hop over and give the show a fantastic rating. Shoot me a message on Instagram, Dr. Tash Fanny Mechanic, and join the Fanny Mechanic podcast group on Facebook. Let me know of any topics you'd like to hear, cool people I can interview, or books for us to read and share. Until next time, stay fanny-tabulous.